0: Welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number 160. This cast as always, is always sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com with free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% BIOS bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined, of course, this week with my co host Jim Casale of CoolStuffInc.com. Ed is not here this week. Uh, For people who are wondering where the cast basically went, Ed forgot to record his audio last week, and um, he's currently at GP Bangkok uh, braving out the typhoon that's hitting around there in Japan. Um, And he wasn't able to upload his audio correctly and get his computer to work, essentially. So this week it's going to be a duo cast with Good old Jim and I, as we uh, bring you guys the finance content that you crave. Of course, Jim, how are you doing after a quick two-week break?
1: Uh, pretty good. Uh, can't say that I'm in any worse shape
0: than I was then. Well, that's definitely good to hear. And we, we have, of course, had quite a bit happen over the past week or so. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about this week that uh, happened with either finance or changes in the meta?
1: Uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things to talk about. We uh, Before this cast had this discussion where we were talking about the things we were going to talk about. So thank you for segueing into the bringing up the topics that you already know we wanted to talk about. It's uh, really professional. Too. No
0: problem, Jim. So which, uh, which topic would you like to start on? Uh,
1: so definitely a, a big thing that's around on everyone's mind is that uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were moving the Bannon Restricted Update up about a month. Uh, so, instead of being in November, it's going to be, I think, like, right after the Mythic Championship? Something like that? Uh, I don't remember the exact date, and I'll have it open at the moment.
0: Right before or right after? I believe it is right before the Mythic, Ch- it's the 21st, and the Mythic Championship is the first week of November. So it gives players enough time to test.
1: Oh, okay, then I misunderstood. but. Yeah, basically, uh, the internet is quite unhappy with the state of standard and the state of Popper, and uh, as a result of uh, no additional bannings or unbannings in the last uh, banning restricted list, uh, people have made a big stink on social media, and I feel like that Wizards of the Coast has the information from Magic Arena and Magic Online to... Uh, say that they're probably going to do something about it. Um, and I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but it is important to note that those that bans or unbans or whatever will affect card prices. Uh, with popper cards, since most of them are common, or all of them are commons, I guess I should say, uh, there is unlikely to be very much movement there. But with uh, standard cards especially, they're pretty volatile to begin with. Cards like uh, Golos and uh, Field of the Dead are things that are, people in particular are complaining about and uh, could see a decrease in price in the future. Uh, if you play Standard and you're playing one of the top decks in the format, I would be wary that like your cards could get banned. But I think at this point, if you play Standard every week, if you like go to FNM or whatever, it's probably not worth trying to sell the cards because... Uh, most people are not interested in buying them unless they're playing in the highest level uh, competitive events. So just play your cards until they're banned. This is kind of like how I felt about the uh, Eldrazi uh, deck that existed in Modern for a short period of time when I, Ugin, and Eldrazi Temple were available to be played. Uh, most people were under like had the understanding that every tournament that they went to with this deck was them cashing out the value of the cards because they were going to become worth much less um, once, you know, once a key piece of that deck gets banned. Um, as long as you have the understanding that the deck that you're, like, every week that you play with that deck, it is, you're, you're, you're devaluing your cards because you haven't sold them. But I think at this point that some of the, most of those cards are so inexpensive that Selling them really won't hit you a whole lot. And things like Golos are still played in Commander, so I'm not really even sure that that one will go down a significant amount.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something to be said. Like, if you're playing Standard, I don't think you're really trying to make money playing the game unless you're super good at Magic, right? So, like, but... I mean, if you're super good at Magic, you're really, like, not trying to make money, but there's definitely,
1: like, the, well, should I sell these before they're not worth anything? And... The answer to that question is, like, it probably doesn't matter if you're playing with them and you're enjoying playing with them, then just keep playing with them until they get banned. Yeah, I completely like, agree. Golos is, like, five bucks. If you sell it now, you'll get, like, 250 But is that really worth not being able to play standard for a month, if that's what you play mostly?
0: Yeah, that's definitely a great point. Um, I, I'm just sort of sad if something from standard gets banned. Like, we just went through, what, seven bannings last year or two years ago, and, like, a lot of players hated that. Because it, it felt like wizards couldn't um, couldn't get their stuff together, and like this is one of the first formats where the future future league uh, had a extensive testing for the standard format, um, and we barely see any answers to like field of the dead, for example, that are currently in standard, outside of alpine moon, I think, and like assassin's trophy um so it's like i understand r&d misses stuff but i'm sort of disappointed if like they did not see this type of deck coming when they were testing
1: well Al- alpine was not standard legal anymore right it's m19
0: oh yeah i'm a dummy so <laughs>
1: yeah so like i think this is just going to be a like a, t- a, a case in like what kind of things did you just need to have in standard all the time and just like in addition to like nikki and duress and uh naturalize being like things that should always be in standard um some kind of ghost quarter equivalent should probably also be like field field of the ruin or ghost quarter or tectonic edge or whatever whatever you want to put in the format to like be able to combat lands that have too much utility value uh that being said i don't think that this is necessarily a failing on r&d as a whole like there are definitely there's a there's a finite number of hours that they can test all of this stuff, and you know, it's it's hard to make uh such big like predictions of the future. And I think that they just like missed a couple of the like fail-safe valves that could have saved it from being this bad. Like Field of the Dead existed in the previous standard and people played it with Scapeshift, which is arguably like worse, but it wasn't that bad because you could blow up the field of ruin and you felt like there was a way forward. Right now there's really just not a way to deal with it in a in most decks without like crippling yourself. And I think that people just don't like that very much. And I don't think that that's bad necessarily, but I also don't think that there's not been standard formats like this previously. Like cards don't didn't get banned in standard of very often because of uh, there wasn't a lot of incentive to, there was less information available. The internet was like maybe less mature at the time. Now with people and how many games they play on Magic Arena, you really can't afford to have a standard format that's a slog. So you have to be more liberal with bannings. I think at the end of the day, it's better if they make bannings and keep the format fun and healthy than it is to like save people their money by making it miserable for, you know, X amount of weeks. Like, I can definitely see that they lost a lot of people playing Standard when Teamer Energy was a thing, and they just, like, hemmed and hawed over about banning any kind of cards for too long. And I really don't think that they should repeat that mistake and and wait too long in the future. I think that it's definitely a good step for them to consider bannings. I think that that's ultimately the best thing for the game is to make sure that it's fun to play. And if banning cards that decreases their value and, and a couple people lose money i think at the end of the day is be, is the better of the two evils than having a crappy standard format
0: yeah that's definitely a great point i didn't consider some of those options so i think as usual you're you're uh you're hitting it on the head um because i think you're more in tune with like what players and what wizards is trying to do um anything else you want to talk about on this on this uh topic of moving the ban list potentially forward
1: uh, no, I think like I think the two most at-risk formats are Standard and Pauper. And because Pauper cards are just cheaper, usually, because they're commons, uh, there's not a lot to like glean from that. But if you're a Standard player, uh, I definitely wouldn't sell my cards if I had intentions of continuing to play the deck.
0: All right, well, moving on from Standard, but still yet talking about Standard, uh, the Collector... Booster packs. Um, have you had a chance to open anything out of them, Jim?
1: Man, I don't like lottery tickets, and I haven't actually got to my LGS to to like maybe buy one. I was about to get one uh, if they had them in stock when I was buying. So on the pre-release weekend, I considered buying a booster box of Thrones of Eldraine in order to receive the bonus collector booster pack because I was like, well i kind of like this set i think i'd like to draft it my wife enjoys it uh you know with with the collector booster i think that puts it up up, up, over the edge enough for me to like want to buy in but unfortunately they had run out of collector boosters like 20 minutes before i got there so i have not had a chance to
0: open one i have seen people open them and they are not impressive so i get them at cost right so like i'm paying like I, th- I think it's, like, 120 for, like, a sealed box that, like, retails for, like, 300 now or whatever. Um, and I opened, like, a full box, and I was laughing at how bad it was. On top of that, there's been a lot of issues that I've seen with these cards, whether, uh, from myself or from just players opening them. There's a ton of roller marks on, like, the tops of some of the cards, which is just sad if you're paying $30 to get a booster pack. Like, there's a lot of printing errors on these, on top of the fact that you're already lighting your money on fire, essentially. I don't know if you've so seen any you of that.
1: I have not. Uh, I've bought a bunch of singles from these packs online, and they've been okay. But I was wondering if you noticed where they got printed. Uh, because I don't know if, if this was the same Yorker release, but the Thrones of Eldraine booster packs that were my micro-release were from Japan, and I thought that was very
0: odd. I've got an empty box right behind me. If you want to talk for like a minute, I can find it and look at the back of the box.
1: Yeah, well, it's it was something that I noticed um, when I sat down to to open my booster packs because Japanese booster packs are slightly different. Uh, they have a lot more booster wrapper than the uh, European or American ones because they have space to put like a hole through the booster pack to put it on like a peg on like a store shelf. So I noticed that there was a lot of air in my booster pack. Like the the booster pack was very long compared to the number of cards in it, and the cards are in a different order, which ultimately doesn't really affect you know what you get in them. But it is interesting to see that because uh, obviously it had to cost more money to import these from Japan than it would to have printed them here, which I think they are are in the United States, I suppose I should
0: say. Mine was. Which I believe. Mine was not from Japan. Which probably explains the horrible printing quality.
1: Yeah, so the Japanese ones generally have better printing quality, which is good. I appreciate that. But I'm very confused uh, as to why they decided to import them instead of just using American-made ones, unless they, like, ran out of time. I'd be curious to know where the collector booster packs came from that had all the errors. Because these are being printed in English and Japanese, correct?
0: correct and ed was actually selling japanese sealed ones for 350 on twitter i think and then donating 50 of that to charity
1: that's very nice of him
0: uh but yeah i was uh i was
1: surprised to see that we were getting japanese booster packs they were in english of course but they were japanese made booster packs and like on the back it said like made in japan or whatever um so i was just wondering if you also had that same thing happen and if they were uh if they were cards that you got um, that were that had the errors that were from Japan. It doesn't sound like that's
0: the case. Though. No, it's not the case. We got the inferior American quality in the great state of Missouri. So uh, <laughs> I guess we have to deal with it. But yeah. yeah, like every pack I opened, there was like a noticeable something wrong and like not in a good way where it's like, oh, free money. Like I opened a foil extended whatever the black graveyard thing is and like those those were going for like yeah those were going for like a hundred dollars on tcg and it was all dinged up so i sold it for 30 bucks because i was like well the one the one good full extended art out of this box was like destroyed basically so like what you know i can't ask a hundred dollars on release weekend for a card that's destroyed
1: i mean you could have sent me a message and be like hey jim i got this dinged up foil i know how much you like foils and then we could have talked i knew you wanted the green one and like, i
0: sold it at the charity tournament anyway so part of the money went to a good cause and i i posted for the listeners like how much i publicly donated anyways to the children's foundation so you know man, jim it I, went to charity the black
1: one and i was i wasn't feeling so bad and then you're like oh, i also opened the green one and i was like oh man you just like took the knife and you weshed it in a little bit more no i didn't open a green you're one i only opened the, the black one I thought you said you got a green one. Oh, if I
0: did, then disregard that, listeners. I only got the black one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, we can we can be on speaking terms. <laughs> yet, I guess that's good to hear. Um, yeah, but like it was sad because like the one big hit that would have paid for it, you know, essentially the cost of the box was just dinged up, and I was like, yeah, I can't ask money, which sucks. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah i i haven't I haven't had that issue. I have noticed that people have been posting on TCG Player more lp or mp copies of um these
0: foils and i assumed it was because
1: people were being monsters when they're opening the booster
0: packs also because a lot of people are nerds just like to complain about condition and so like a lot of vendors like that buy grand Prix like just so like if a card is near mint they will literally just mark it as sp because they don't want to deal with bad feedback on tcg which is completely understandable and if a card is mint-, mint you can always arbitrage it over to Japan so as a result like not many vendors are trying to get a uh, trying to list near mint cards on american sites
1: yeah i mean is, like, that does like doesn't surprise me that much either i i understand that that thought process um, i do want to talk about though how rare some of these cards are uh, because a lot of them I don't think people realize are as rare as they are. So, uh, for example, uh, there are a lot of different frames in the set. There are the regular adventure frames, there are the full, uh, the extended art frames, there are the showcase frames. Uh, the extended art planeswalkers are the only cards that you can find in draft booster packs. So that means that if you want an extended art, the Great Henge, which I did, you cannot find them in regular booster packs. You can only find them in collector booster packs. Similarly, uh, you cannot find, like, a full art or an extended art, Fable Passage or Once Upon a Time or whatever, like, a Wrinkle. Any of these cards, all of these cards only exist in collector booster packs. And I don't think people realize how rare that makes them. Uh, because collector booster packs are not printed to demand. They are like a master set. They're only printed once, and then once they're sold out, that's it. They're done. So I've been looking at the prices of the extended art foils, because those are like the things that are basically going to be non-existent in probably a couple of months. Like Once everyone gets the deluxe editions and opens them and lists their cards and whatever, that's going to be it. There's just not going to be any more of them. And the thing that I've noticed is that the multiplier on these cards does not seem nearly as high as it should be given their rarity.
0: I um, think it's because they're just mainly standard cards outside of stuff like fabled passage and like I under obviously once upon a time as well. Um, I feel like we we're getting closer to Pokemon more than we ever have, and I think I've talked about this a lot, but like we have like a four hundred and fifty dollar. And, and i'm sort of segueing here but i i do think it's important to uh put it on the cast before we return to this topic like the 450 and fifty dollar insane whatever garbage that wizards came out with right so they advertise like oh i thought
1: you were talking about the pokemon card. Oh, no, no, i don't know so like, i'm getting it i'm
0: getting into that give me a second uh so okay sorry so you get 12 packs i think of collector's edition right so that's like 360 bucks and you get like a non-foil kenrith that sells for like 10 bucks or whatever because it's seeing play in standard and you get a garrick or whatever but the three by three sheets that people are receiving a lot of them are just a red dwarf the red dwarf rare guy with zero mythics on it like, if I paid $450 for some garbage Pokemon tin, I would at least want an uncut Mythic on my sheet. But, like, one of the permutations of that sheet is the dwarf with no rare, with no Mythic. Just the extended art dwarf. And, like, we're just getting closer and closer to, like, Konami tins at this point. And it's sort of sad that, like, a lot of whales that actually did end up buying this product are even more annoyed because their sheet was bad or, like, because their collector's pack sucked. Um... A fool and their a fool and their money will always be parted pretty easily, but it like everything that could have gone wrong for this first four hundred and fifty dollar um pack or ten, like is going wrong and like I I haven't seen any that contain the Japanese style packs either, which like in my opinion means that even more rune cards are coming out of this cash grab essentially.
1: I don't like calling it a cash grab, like Wizards of the Coast is a company that makes money by selling things. So, like, selling more things is not really necessarily a cash grab. And they're not things that you need to play with. So I also really don't – I don't like using that terminology because it's, it's pretty negative. It has a pretty negative connotation for, like, what it actually means. I do think that the, the thing that – the product that they gave is not worth the money that people paid for it. Uh, I don't think it is the premium product for me. And I've said that said that before on the cast. Well, I don't think that makes it a cash grab, uh, necessarily. And I think that moving towards Pokemon-style stuff is like actually just better. I like their, their system of premium cards a lot more than the Magic ones, because even though there are more levels and there are more things to keep track of, it gives you some granularity in how much you want to spend on your cards, which means that the people that just want to play... Can buy the cheapest copies that are not very expensive, and the people that really want to show off can do that with their money.
0: Sure. Uh, as usual, you have the more adult take on this. <laughs> I'm j- well, like so, the thing that I was gonna bring up
1: is like there is a card in the most recent uh, Pokemon set, or I think it's the most recent. Yeah, I don't know if Hidden Feats is Hidden Feats is currently the most recent, but there is a there is a singular card. From that set, that retails for about $500, which is pretty absurd, right? Like, you would not pay $500 for a single copy of this card for, you know, regular play, right? Like, you you don't need a, a $500 copy of a single card for pretty much any deck, unless it's a card that just, like, doesn't exist anywhere else, like a reserve list card, like... People pay $500 for Underground Season, and not bad an eye, but like, paying for this premium version of a card, it seems to be like it's too much, right? Yeah, I Mm. definitely agree. But the nice thing about this is that there are non-premium versions of the card that you can still play with that are significantly less money. Uh, I believe that the non-premium version of this is like $8.00. I'm trying to figure out because there's there's multiple different versions, but I believe the cheapest one is eight. Which, if you're talking about like a format staple where you need four of these in your deck, eight dollars is like pretty pretty inexpensive, right? Like a a shock land usually costs like ten. So I feel like this approach is just better than the Wizards of the Coast approach usually is with uh. Putting stuff in booster packs as a premium, because let's be honest, like how much do people actually want to pay for standard foils, like regular foils? Not so much. Uh, these full art extended foils, you know, there's there's definitely like a big demand for these, and it could affect the price of the cards in the set. But because they're only in collector boosters, that really doesn't end up happening that much. My 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 feeling and my gut feeling with about this is that i think the collector boosters are fine and i think they were a reasonably well thought out idea but i think that they should have all of the same things that you can get at regular boosters just like only the good things so like instead of opening a regular booster where like i don't know you get a rare and like maybe a foil and then like maybe a cool card on occasion this should just be all sweet stuff all the time but it should also be available in regular booster pie I don't like that there's a lot of things that aren't available in regular booster packs because I don't think people realize how rare and difficult it makes some of the cards to get.
0: Yep, great point. I I don't have anything to add. I think you hit it on the head. Uh, Do we want to get into our credit winner of the week?
1: Absolutely. Uh, In three seconds because I accidentally closed the tab that had the question
0: up. Echad, Shteym, Shalosh. Don't What does that mean? 1, 2, 3 in Hebrew. Oh, today I
1: learned. So, uh, this week's winner uh, is a little bit of an older question because uh, our last cast got eaten by the Void. Uh, But Sam Lemon asks, hey fellas, what are your thoughts on new Japanese exclusive challenger decks? Uh, Do you think the US will get a supply of them? So uh, we talked about this before, but like this cast got eaten by the void, so we're just gonna have to talk about it again. Blame Ed. Uh, just Blame Ed. Yeah, blame Ed. Yeah, hashtag blame ed. Um So basically the gist of what I said last time was I think that the people like I think that this is a pre is a product that was not as well received in the United States, which is why it is Japanese exclusive. Uh, I feel like they went a little bit harder than usual in terms of like the value that they put in the decks. And I think as a result, they'll sell pretty well. I don't think the United States is going to get them, which is quite disappointing, but I understand why Japan would get kind that kind of product. They're the kind of place where competitive cards have always sold better. That's why people like Jeremy will go on Japanese websites and buy cards like Chromatic Lantern and import them to the United States because it's cheaper to buy more casual cards than it is to buy competitive cards there. Uh, As a result, I believe that uh, there is higher demand for uh, standard cards because people are more likely to play that there than they are like Commander or whatnot. So I feel like there there must have been that must have been the the thought process going in here is that you know the Japanese challenger decks sold better so we're going to make them for them rather than uh the um was it the signature series like the weird like dual deck things that they did for China. Yeah. Uh, these these are not like they didn't design new cards to appeal to this population. They just made a reasonable product that they thought would sell there. And it stinks that the US and and Europe are not getting them, but I have to believe that they just like didn't sell very well or they didn't sell through. And there was not a lot of reason to do them for uh, those markets.
0: Yeah until you go to japan which i know jim will go to one day and then he'll understand it and a a couple of our listeners have reached out to us about like going to japan the japanese market is completely different than the american market you'll see like prices like a hundred dollars for sleeves and people will hand over that money like and buy a couple packs and like that's normal you'll see like um i'm just trying to think because i think the last time i went to to japan was two months ago so i'm trying to remember like case prices um You'll see Forcible for, like, $150 at, like, most shops, etc. Um, it's completely different. But, like, on the flip side, like, you used to be able to get Soul Rings for $0.10 cents each, as an example. Of, like, Arbitrage, which we've talked about non-stop on this podcast. Um, these Challenger decks are definitely geared towards Japanese audiences because a lot of Magic players are... Like, Japanese players will mainly only just buy competitive stuff. There's not very many shops outside of, like, expat-based Japanese shops that offer casual formats even. Um, it's just a different culture there, and it's honestly pretty cool to go and play Magic there. I've played, like, a couple Haruya leagues and whatnot for Legacy, and and it's been different. Um, these will just sell super fast in Japan versus in America, like... These would probably sit on the shelves of most game shops for quite a while, sort of like what happened with uh, and I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation so Jim can yell at me. The Mu Jin Yang deck, or whatever, the green versus blue Chinese planeswalker. were like those were legal and standard in China, but they weren't legal and standard in America. If you remember that. Yes, I remember Mu Yanling and Yang Yeah, yeah. So like. Those sold really well in China, and, like, every game shop in America just had a bunch of them that, like, were not moving forever, and distributors were trying to get rid of them. Um, So I definitely agree that, like, these will definitely command a premium in Japan, and, like, they would never sell well stateside, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing. Like, people will only buy them if they for sure have the value. Like, it doesn't matter how good of a deck it is. If it doesn't have enough value, people don't like it in the United States.
0: And I don't understand why. Sure, and in Japan, like, you can go over there, and the Commander 17 tribal decks in Japanese are just sitting on game shop shelves. Because outside of, like, Teferi's Protection, like, you'll see a, a Dragon Dominion or whatever that deck was that sells for, like, 125 stateside, and it'll still be sitting on the shelves two years later in Japan for 40 bucks because no Japanese uh player cares about the value as much as they care about being able to play with the cards inside for competitive formats and even like if you were to bring that back one that's like a pain in the butt to ship and two you can't ask the full us amount so yeah it's it's completely just completely different markets and if you're interested in exploring the japanese markets more like there's plenty of content creators out there that talk about it all the time uh, which is also why Ed is such a good boon to our podcast when it comes to overseas markets.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I just like don't have a ton to add other than what I've already said. So, yeah, it was a good question. Um, it definitely took some research to figure out what was going on, because like when we when we first read the question, I had no idea what what he was talking about. But now we are good to go. So, uh, Sam, send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com, and I'll get you your $25 gift certificate at coolstuffinc.com during our next cast.
0: All right. Anything else you want to talk about this week, Jim? Uh, I think I'm good. Okay. Let's get into pick of the week. What have you got for us this week?
1: Uh, Basically, any, any extended art mythic foil from uh, Throne of Eldraine. Uh, These cards are exceptionally rare. They just, like, don't exist at all. And if you buy a bunch of these and they are good, or at least desirable, uh, they will be very expensive in the future. Uh, So, for example, my, like... I really wanted the Great Henge because I think that card is bonkers in EDH. Uh, It is not exactly the same, but it is similar to... uh, I think it's called Zendikar Resurgent. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that is a rare from a very widely open set, and it got reprinted in a bunch of commander sets, and it sells incredibly well. Uh, this card is similar to a Zendikar Resurgent. Uh, it lets you draw a card when you play a creature spell, and it makes some mana. It doesn't double your mana, which is, eh, yeah, whatever. But it costs significantly less mana if you have a creature in play. What that ends up being is I think that like on its on its surface I think that people don't realize how good the Great Henge is and uh it will very quickly pick up speed as people realize that it is very similar in the in that respect to Zendikar Resurgent. And Zendikar Resurgent is a five dollar rare or almost five dollar rare, I should say.
0: Wait, is uh, it the foil or the non foil?
1: I, I think it's the non foil.
0: Uh, I think you're off. I think I might
1: be. I mean, I was looking at Skyfall and it says like, uh, USD is like four forty-four.
0: Really? If so, I'm very dumb. Let me check the price. Uh, Zendikar Resurgent from Commander Seventeen is. Cur- oh my God! It's almost four dollars. All right. Well, I didn't know that, and I put a bunch of those into fifty cent box. So if you're a local and listening, go get free money.
1: I was about to say yeah. So uh, the mar- the market price on Zendikar Resurgence is uh, almost four dollars. Uh, the oath of the Gatewatch one is a little bit more expensive, at like four fifty. But my point stands. This is the kind of effect that people will pay money for. Uh, the full art foil or the sorry, I keep saying full art. The extended art foil Great Henge will just non exist. It will be the most uh, premium copy of this card that will ever exist. Probably. And it will be very desirable. Uh, You could get them on TCG Player for about $120 right now, which is significantly less than like $175 that they were during the pre release. Uh, I would not be surprised if they went up back to like $175, $200 in the next like six months uh, to a year. Because uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw I purchased one. It is very pretty foil. Uh, Not all foils look good. And that one is particularly good. And it's just like a kind of effect that has historically sold well.
0: Jim, I'm pretty sure everyone follows you on Twitter.
1: I'm pretty sure that that's not the case because uh, Jason said I don't have any followers. What? Yeah, he said I, I made fun of him because he says whenever he tweets about hockey, he loses like 15 followers. And I was like, look at me tweeting about hockey, not losing any followers. And then he said something to the effect of, like, well, you have to have followers to lose to lose followers. Ouch.
0: Um, Yeah,
1: I know. It's rough.
0: I'm really liking Smothering Tithe still. Like, the reprint did basically nothing to the price, and it's, I think it's rotated out. Or, no, it's Ravnica Allegiance. No, it's still part of Standard, but it's also going to get another reprint because it's part of the Brawl deck. Yeah, so that's what I was going to segue into. Like, I don't see that having any real effect on supply like this card went down from like 11 to like 7 and then down to 6 and like if it goes to 5 like it's still fine like they could reprint this two more times and like every white deck that i know of and like jim plays edh more than me still wants it so it still feels like free money to me
1: yeah i agree it's kind of like rustic study where you can just put it literally in every white deck and it'll just never be bad
0: yep so i'm i'm i think like if you want easy money or like at the very least like very good trade fodder like just pick up smothering ties you're not really going to go wrong like they could put this in another commander deck and i I still don't think it would do anything to the price i think that just the cheaper it gets the more people want it so that just means like the price is staying where it where it normally would be anyway sort of like what pat to exile does if that makes sense
1: I definitely agree with you.
0: All right. Well, where can people follow you on Twitter so that you can get that clout that you so desperately deserve?
1: Uh, I was if you, I was gonna be, I, I was about to like get mad at you because I thought you were gonna say desire and I was like no whoa 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 I don't desire it but deserve I don't know maybe that's for you to decide. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at phrost underscore.
0: My name's Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. I wrote an article on Quiet Speculation about how you're leaving money on the table if you're buying and selling Magic cards, and it's free, so you should check that out. Um, thanks for listening, guys. We'll try and get Ed on next week. There is not a Grand Prix before Phoenix, so we should have a nice hour-long cast uh, with Ed and Jim next week. You can find Cartel on Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can find us on our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com, as well as SoundCloud and all the other places. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. And as always, bye bye. And stop recording.